Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, let's get ready to listen to Big Talk with Chris and Greg. That was anti-climactic, but climactic enough, I guess. All right. What do you think? All right. If you didn't know, this is Greg. This is Chris. And welcome to Big Talk. Welcome to Big Talk, episode one million. <laughs> Maybe not one million not yet. Million. Not a million. Um, so we just got done last uh, episode doing our uh, factions, wrestling factions. You know, just talking about you know good one, good stuff, man. Good stuff, man. And you know, we missed we missed some, but you know what? We're gonna always miss some because we're not sitting here doing lists and detailed notes and weeks of research. We don't have a team yet. I don't you know. know. So we're kind of you know winging half and writing down half. So it's okay. My intern's ready. Oh, shoot. I, I didn't know we were going to cut away this soon, but I guess we are going to, guys. We we want to introduce our first... In, is, she, is she getting paid? Or is yes, this of an course. Inter, is this an intern position? No, I'm getting paid. Yeah. She's getting I, paid. She, I told you, dude, she won't take less than 20 bucks an hour. It's all right. I got money. So So this is our email screener, the 12-year-old. <laughs> Hello. Hey, 12-year-old. Hi. <laughs> so did we get, um, I know that we've gotten a couple emails before, but did we, have we gotten any emails? You've been, I know you've been hard at work yes. doing uh, emails and all that stuff. So w- what do you got for us? Okay, so we have, oh, sorry. We have an email from John. Um, so it was about the episode, I think it was episode eight, where you're talking about the album covers. And so first one was the first, his first comment was the first Black Sabbath album cover is actually a photo of a watermill. Yeah, we were, we did, we may have described that. It's close though. It looks like a witch in this graveyard. I mean, yes. in my mind. Totally. And, uh, okay. Well, I'm not going to give you that one, John, but I will give you that one. Go ahead. Okay, the next one is Slippery When Wet original cover was only available in Japan. Which I think we did mention, you know, when when we were talking about it, we said I think first off we said Japan. Yes. So I think And then yeah. we said I think we said Canada too. Yeah. But we're so we're good on that one. Okay, what else did John say? Okay, um the last comment that he said was Warlock was a German band and Daryl Pesh is still going strong today. Yes. We I, we were wrong on that. We I think we were like Scandinavian, Finland, or Sweden or something. Yeah, I think like we said Sweden. Yeah, and she still is going strong. She's because she, after Warlock, she went solo and she started doing her own thing, but still had those same album covers, same ones that we talked about. But uh, wow, thanks John for the email. Yes. Hey, what else? What else? Okay. What else you got for us? So, you got any other information you yeah, want to talk so, about? Yeah, you want to flap your gums so, about something? A uh, little announcement about how you can reach how you can reach the podcast members is on instagram it's big talk cg on twitter it's big talk cg and and for email so you can leave more comments like john did it's just big talk cg at gmail.com awesome i love it i love it now i know that you you have been um uh listening to the podcast uh i'm not sure if you've been listening on on spotify or podbean or what but go ahead and let us know where where are all the places you can listen to us at as as chris said you can listen to us on pod uh, on them on Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, 
Podcasts, Our Heart Ra- iHeartRadio, Audible, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, and Listen Notes. Love it. Love it. Where And where are you listening to it at? Mostly Spotify, because that's where I listen to most of my music. I love it. I love it. Yeah, me too. Spotify rules. <laughs> Anything else you got for us, 12-year-old? Um, as So episode seven, of course, as most of you listeners know, was the Halloween episode. And before I get to what I'm about to say, you should probably go watch it because, or listen to it, I mean, because it's a very good episode and it has a lot of, I listened to it myself and it was really good and because I love Halloween, so it was a really good episode. So, so what I would like to add is my, personally, my favorite Halloween movies. Okay, let's hear it. So my, the first one on my list is Child's Play 3, 4, and 5. 3 is when Andy is at the army base. Four is The Bride, because I love Tiffany. She's one of my favorites. And then number five is The Seed, is that when they have um, the son. I forgot his name, but yeah. The love child? Yeah. <laughs> and then my number my number two is The Others. I really like the plot twist at the end. Is it's that really the uh, Nicole Kidman? Is that? No, what one is that? What's The Others? It's the one about like the mom and the two kids and... They're on like this new mansion. Oh yeah, that has Nicole. Kid- That's the one with Nicole Kidman. She's like they're like watching over the house. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Greg, you don't. You've never and seen it. And my third one is Scary Movie. The first one because I love how they make fun of uh, horror movies. And um, I've only watched the first one, but I watched the second one halfway through. But first one is like my favorite one because it's really funny. Then my fourth one is scream because that's like the first one in scary movie they make fun of and i think i love like the characters in that one and then my last one is probably it chapter one the one from 2017 i think i like the characters and it's just like one of my favorite one of my favorite movies of actually of all time so you know it's good to get a a 12 year old's point of view that we had i think we have one overlapping movie there with scream yeah we talked about talked about but we didn't talk about any other ones um but Hey, you know, she likes what she likes. She's a 12-year-old. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you, uh, 12-year-old, what, what's your favorite candy that you like to get on Halloween? Um, probably either Skittles or Crunch. And obviously, like, any full-size candy bar. Which Yeah. What? Hold on, everybody. Hold on, everybody. <laughs> Look who just came in. Look who just came in through the door. It's a surprise. The 10-year-old is here. Oh. I think she heard you say candy. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're not in the union yet, so you only get to talk for a second or two. We'll ask you the same question. What's your favorite candy to get for Halloween, 10-year-old? Hi. Uh, I'm the 10-year-old. <laughs> uh, my favorite candy to get on Halloween is candy corn. Of course, it's the best. Candy corn. We talked about candy corn. Yeah, we totally did. Yeah. And the, or the pumpkins. Those are good ones, too. The pumpkins, too. Like They're great, too. Love it. Love it. Love it. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you, 10-year-old. You you can go now. Bye. No, I'm not leaving. Bye. Um, yeah, we want to thank you again for going through the emails. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been doing a great job getting paid just slightly less than 20 bucks an hour. Just slightly. Checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Yeah. And uh, that's it. All right, guys. Thank you very much. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll have them back next episode. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see how many emails we get. Yeah. It might not be worth it. 
You know, we might have John, to put her on a little uh, height. You better come through with those comments. I need you. I need this job. <laughs> Whoa. That was, a, that was a plea to the nation right there. She wants John. the nation. She wants John and the nation to come through with comments yeah. and emails. Hey, you guys, I'm going to tell you this. If you enjoyed the 12-year-old being on today, you send emails, you send comments, you tweet at us. Tweet? Is that the proper adjective? Adverb? Whatever. Yes. Verb. Yes. Yes, tweet. tweet I need my uh, tweet us. I need my Mad Lib. Whoa, tweet us. Tweet us. Uh, the twelve-year-old will be back to read your comments, emails, comment suggestions, and slander. And comments of her own. Yes, she'll yes. Our she'll bring her own heat. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she'll bring her own heat. All right, thank you very much, ten and twelve-year-old. Have a good thank rest you. of your day. Thank you, ladies. Bye. Bye. All right. That was uh. That was a treat for everybody, I think. I don't know. They're there getting their stuff. Look at them go. Yep. Already learning to operate the equipment. Roadies. I see roadies oh, in the making. Oh, yeah. Roadies in the making. Don't trip over any cables. Thank you, ladies. Ladies. Yeah, that was nice. There we go. There we go. Um, All right. So let's, let's go ahead and get uh, into the episode and, uh, you know, what, what we really want to talk about. And uh, Cool. Well, you know what we're going to talk about? We're going to kind of continue with, from our uh, uh, wrestling topic we did last week, and we're going to give a little twist. Let's uh-huh. talk about managers. Managers and valets. Yeah, managers and valets. You know, we've done most of our talking so far. Of our, our other two episodes has been just pretty much wrestlers. There's been some managerial talk in there, but let's just talk about some managers, the importance of managers, managers we like, uh, what we like in a good manager, you know, and, and, and you know, just stuff like that, you know. What, you know, whatever. What, what, what do you want to start with? I know you got some right here. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to start off with Jim Cornette. I had a feeling you were going to start with him. Right? He's just as, he has been one of those managers with his high-pitched voice and his mama's boy stereotype clothing with a, you know, tennis racket. But good manager, you know, good talker, good commentator, uh, you know, uh, definitely... One of my favorite tag teams uh, he managed was the Midnight Express. I think. Um, yeah, he. I. I love the Midnight Express. Right. Jim Cornette was great. They never talked. Right. I don't right. even think I know what Bobby Eaton's voice sounds like or Sweet Stan Lane's voice. Do you know what either of their voices sounds like? I could not I, imitate I him, bro. <laughs> I could not imitate their voices. Uh, but Jim Cornette, dude, million miles an hour. Exactly, and uh, he was taking things to another, a whole another level with them. Exactly, love it, love it. You so, know, what what about you? What's, what's the first one you want to talk well, about? Well, you know what? I want to kind of continue on your your Jim Cornette. Um, All right, he he not only was great as a manager, he was also good behind the scenes too, developing talent, especially a lot of the people that the WWE brought up through. Uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Ohio, their uh, Ohio Valley promotion. Okay, and they had like, Batista, who's great in development of Batista and. Lesnar, John Cena, you know, Orton, all those guys that kind of came up at that time, you know, he was very instrumental in development of them. So he had a lot of behind the scenes going on as well. But man, Jim Cornette couldn't, you couldn't shut him up. He was a mama's boy. He's always talking about his mama, how much money he had carrying his tennis racket. You always knew that tennis racket was going to play. And that's one of the great things about managers uh, especially ones like it was almost always like they were a heel kind of thing. 
the, the managers because you always knew they were going to get involved. They were going to do something. You know someone was going to get whacked with that tennis racket. You knew something was going to happen. And it added, that, it added two elements to the whole thing. And in particular, I'm just going to go with the bread and butter of it is the rock and roll versus the midnight. Correct. You always knew Jim Cornette was going to get involved, which did two things, which was great. One, it made you want to it, – it, it gave that element of three against two where you're like, oh, my God, odds are always stacked against us because, you know, obviously we're rooting for the face. We're rooting for Rock and Roll Express. Oh, my God, dude. And so it made you want to see them get their hands on Jim Cornette, which the wrestlers getting their hands on the managers didn't happen that often, but when it did, it was yeah, it was definitely magic right there, man. Good stuff. And that was the magic of Jim Cornette. He um, has he always been, you know, do I always agree with everything he says personally? No, but when it comes to being a wrestling manager, he's right up there at the, at the top, if not the top, right there in the, the, he's in top three of all time. He's just great. He was great. Yeah. Love Jim Cornette. He's great. An- another one of um, these guys who, who was really good. Bobby the Brain Hayden. Bobby, you know, Bobby rah, the Brain, it, dude. Just a, a great commentator, a great manager, you know, knew how to manage these guys from, you know, Andre the Giant to Ravishing Rick Rude to his stable, the, the Heenan family, yeah. you know, those guys from there. Uh, you know, yap, yapper, talker, him and Gorilla going at it, bah, 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 bah. Fun stuff, man. I mean, you yeah. know, that, that's the that stuff that, you know, when you first began... He's oh, the brain, you know, that type of stuff. He was, he, yeah, he was one of those managers that really uh, talked up his guys, no, no matter what level of wrestler they were. Um, he, he, you know, brought the best out of them. He made them, uh, you know, when he would talk on the mic verbally, make them look like they were the greatest thing since sliced bread, no matter who they were. Didn't right. Matter, didn't matter who they were. You know, obviously his, Shining moment, moment, crowning jewel may have been the uh, WrestleMania three with Andre. He didn't win the title, but that was like a huge build up for that. But man, Bobby the Brain Heenan was just—he was everything he touched was just great. You know, he was—he had a stable of wrestlers uh, that he managed, and then I loved uh, his commentary that he Correct. did with Gorilla. Yeah, that's some of the best commentary teams in the history of wrestling. I mean, I. I it's you're hard pegged to find anything that was better. Obviously you have like, you know, your Jim Ross who, you know, universally considered probably one of the best, if not the, but dude, that team was, was really good. And correct. You, 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 I enjoy listening to everything they do. Right. Definitely all the time, man. Um, you know, one person I kind of want to go back to quick is, uh, uh, Paul Heyman, Paulie dangerous. Yes. Um, we talked uh, a, a, a little bit about the dangerous Alliance when WCW early nineties, uh, that's when he was poly dangerously, um, you know, with the cell phone, you know, the dealer, the business maker, all that kind of stuff, you know, with his stable with Eaton and Arn Anderson, uh, Austin and Zabisco and Rick Rude and, and those guys, you know, then he went on to, to form his ECW. Then, you know, that got bought out. He came to WWF. He was like the, the, you know, uh, com- commissioner or whatever for one of the brands, yeah, or whatever, so exactly. on and so forth. That, then... He came out, and now he's the manager for the next big thing, which is Brock Lesnar. Correct. And that really, for me, was just he, – he's in the same, um, the same ilk when it comes to 
being the mouthpiece of a wrestler like Jim Cornette was for the Midnight Express, you never hear Brock Lesnar talk. I've heard him talk once or twice. Yes. Um, but when um, Paul Heyman would talk, it was not like you needed someone to tell you how great Brock Lesnar was. Once you saw him <laughs> wrestle, you were like, holy yeah, shit, holy dude. Shit, this guy's right. legit. Uh, but, dude, a whole nother level. And he's one of those guys that brought it from here to here. Right? He is on another level, and he's saying things you're not even thinking, and you're like, oh, my God, what did he just say? There has been times where I've had to rewind shit and re-listen to it and go, oh, my God, dude, that was, what the hell? It was He was that, and then, you know, obviously he was with Lesnar now with Roman Reigns, Reigns. Yeah. and now he's doing the same thing with Roman Reigns. Exactly. And it's just, it's amazing. It's, yeah. He can, you could, you could, you could take him. He could walk a freaking peanut butter and jelly sandwich to the ring and make it make you think it was going to be the world <laughs> champ. Uh, I, he's amazing, I like that. dude. That I don't, I don't... You know, one uh, comment I heard, I read up on when I was doing my homework was, "Hey, man, is just a sophisticated Jim Cornette." I could I could see that comment. Right. I could see that comment. I get it. I get it. That was that it's was like it's almost I was almost about to say it's like Jim Cornette with the thesaurus, but Jim Cornette was coming out with some stuff, dude. He was saying <laughs> some stuff that you were like, What the hell did he just say, dude? <laughs> Same kind of thing. I mean, but uh yeah. It's it's like if Jim Cornette went to Harvard, he'd be Paul Heyman. Right? There you go. Or something like there that. There you go, something like that. Or you know, to LA Valley <laughs> college or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know, another manager I loved uh, back in the day with Classy Freddie Blassie. Dude. Yeah. Classy <laughs> Freddie Blassie. Was, he was, um, you know, one of those, like, original. Um, great manager. Great manager. Yeah. Um, from doing the Iron Sheik, uh, and also he was um, managing Nikita Koloff and Iron Sheik, and they won Nic- the tag Nikolai titles. Nikolai Volkov. Nikolai, I'm sorry, was it Nikolai? Nikolai Volkov. Sorry, Nikolai and Iron Sheik. They won the, they won the tag titles together. And he also... Uh, uh, brought up in the phrase, uh, his uh, phrase of pencil neck geek. Pencil so, neck geek. Like a lot of people don't say it nowadays, but like, you know, me and Chris were laughing at each other. If I say that to him, he knows what I'm talking about. And same mm-hmm. thing, if he said it to me, same thing, we'd be there. So if you see any old school wrestling fans, just call him a pencil neck geek. You know, I thought it was hilarious. Dude, I was watching, a, I watched a little bit of, you know, doing my research. So I had the um, greatest managers of all time documentary on on the Peacock just mm-hmm. playing. And I was kind of listening to it. So but, Man, classy Freddie Blassie, he would he would say some stuff, dude. And he was always he was always on point with like his what he was wearing. I think he, they called right? him like the Hollywood billboard or the Hollywood something because he okay. was always on point. He had the 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 blonde hair, probably turned white. You couldn't tell the difference, and uh, had a cane sometimes. Sometimes he didn't. Yeah, and he was you know he was your classic classic blueprint. Everything else came from him, heel manager, and not just walking you, walking you. He was talking. He, like he said, uh, I watched a quick promo he did when uh, he was talking about Nikolai Volkov. He was saying, I couldn't, I had to go to Siberia to find the best wrestler in the world because I couldn't find anybody here in America because America is trash. (laughs) It's like, dude, (laughs) what did you just say, bro? Like how it doesn't get any better than stuff like that, especially in that time, you know, late seventies, early eighties. It does not right. get better than that. Right. Um, another. Uh, did you want anything to add to that? No, dude. Except right. for I think Freddie, Freddie, classy Freddie Blassie is never gonna get the um, accolades that he should, because 
usually people that are so far ahead of their time don't get that. And he, everybody we're going to talk about and everybody we have talked about, it comes, it all comes from him. He was really the blueprint. He was really what everybody kind of strived to be as good as. Okay. And not copycats and not exactly like, but they were all, you know, inspired and, and, and then looked at classy Freddie Blassie as an inspiration as far as I'm concerned, admit it or not, but they did. You know, another manager I loved was Jimmy, the mouth of the South heart. Um, one of these guys that came out, I mean, a staple in, in WWF wrestling history, you know, as a manager, as a mouthpiece, you know, he can, I think he still looks pretty similar, the same today. He can walk, go anywhere and, you know, people love him. People, you know, the dads, the grandpas all want to take a picture or, you know, I even saw a few people doing cosplay during um, Halloween. Not this year, but, you know, a few, say, 10 years back, you know, doing that kind of stuff with a big megaphone and stuff like that. You know, I didn't know that, um, you know, Jimmy Hart, also, you know, was one of the first managers um, from Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. So when mm-hmm. they came, when they became a tag team, Jimmy Hart was... Um, uh, their manager, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, did you also know that, um, Jimmy Hart, I did, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> did you also know that Jimmy Hart was in cahoots with, um, Andy, um, Koloff, Coleman, Coleman, name it. Andy Kaufman. Andy, sorry. Andy Kaufman to piss off Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler. Yeah. yeah that whole, like, that he, whole, uh, uh, storyline was, that was, um, Andy Kaufman was a, a, unique individual and at any point you couldn't tell what was real and what was comedy correct and i don't think anybody has figured out to this day whether or not that was real or not correct i mean he knew how to bring heat as a as an actor and we imagine if he he decided to wrestle or be a manager on that kind of stuff and he would bring so much heat oh yeah to to his characters or something like that and, and and just to go back to to jimmy hart he was um man that megaphone, right? He so he always wore these. He always had the, like almost quasi pompadour hairstyles, like almost like a a fifties Elvis style, a little bit, not mm-hmm. like honky tonk who he did also manage, but in that same kind of style. He always had the colorful jackets, and uh, uh, he he was managing um, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, and so he had him. He had Brutus Barber Beefcake. He had them also as a tag team when they were the champs. I believe they lost them though at WrestleMania one. If I remember yes. correctly, normally do. Um, he did manage the Hart Foundation, which was great. But man, him running around with that megaphone. And the thing about Jimmy Hart, he was not a big man. No. He was a small, small guy. Yeah. So he was one of those managers that he was pissing everybody off in the audience and everybody wanted to jump him, grab him because every single person in that audience, including my 12-year-old, thought that they could kick his butt. <laughs> I'm going to get you, Jimmy. I'm going to get you. And he'd be on his megaphone screaming at the wrestlers, screaming at the crowd. Man. He talking, 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 talking. He was another one of those guys, man. I love those managers that just talk and talk and talk and talk. I love it. Right. It, it doesn't get any better. I mean, I don't need to hear the wrestler tell me how great he is. I want to hear someone else tell me. Yeah, Jimmy right. The heart. That was that was the key. That was the key or the magic to that. Where you know, wrestler, just stand there and do your job, and I'll talk about yeah. it. I'll talk how good you are. I'll talk who's you, who you're gonna destroy. I'll talk about who's next. I'll talk about. When am I going to get a championship yeah. belt? We'll talk about that. Or, or you're never going to get a chance. You yeah. lost your chance. You're never getting them again. And you're never, and then, you know, that's just, you know, build heat, build heat, build heat, build heat. That's why those managers are so great to have. Yeah. 
on that heel side, Jimmy Hart was great. And that's why I did not like him when he was managing Hogan when he went to WCW. Right. That was something that wasn't needed. Correct. It was not needed. I mean, I don't know if if Hogan's popularity was maybe slightly waning at that point when he jumped. I was never a Hogan fan. But he didn't, even if it wasn't, or even if it was, he didn't need Jimmy Hart. I never really understood he that, didn't need why him. he went. It just didn't make sense to me at all. He didn't need him. They just, they just, you know, took anybody, signed him a contract. Hey, we're just going to throw you with Hogan for a few months, blah, 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 blah. Yep. You know, speaking of WCW, let's talk about J.J. Dillon. I love James J. Dillon. He was, uh, uh, obviously, we talked about him last episode. Correct. And uh, with the Four Horsemen. Yes. Yeah, manager of the Four Horsemen. Did you know he was a mid-card wrestler? I did. You know, he I did. just one of these guys that just, you know, could never, couldn't go farther than the mid-card. Mm -hmm. And I guess just decided to, you know what, I'm going to start you know, talking and, and, you know, going on with people and stuff like that. I think for him, he found his niche behind the microphone. Yeah. You know, like one of those things, uh, um, I'm just going to talk or be a, uh, an, an executive, you know, out there talking to wrestlers, you know, manage Tully Blanchard, Bodie Landell. Yeah, I remember that's, you know, you I was, you know, sometimes you can't remember, you know, people's names are wrestlers and right now while you were talking i was trying to remember who it was that i remember first seeing him manage and i was like i remember he was the nature boy but it wasn't rick flair oh, I was um, like, who was it? and our buddy, buddy landell oh, buddy which landell. is the name you just said yeah and i was like yeah dude that's he i remember he was always wearing the tucks with the ruffles when he was managing buddy landell and that's when i remember him first you know getting a start and then yeah like you had said he moved on to you know one Blanchard. of uh, jj dylan's um quotes that i love is you can't imitate, but you can't duplicate. Yeah. You know, that still stands today, man. Oh, yeah. Do anything. The people tr hey, people can try to imitate Big Talk, but they ain't <laughs> ever going to duplicate Big Talk. There you go. <laughs> and so we're going to steal a little James J. Dillon. We're going to put that back in the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, yeah. So, yeah, he did the managing. And then mm -hmm. I remember he was, you know, still a manager, but he was a financial advisor or whatever for Tully Blanchard yeah, Industries. executive consultant. Yeah, executive consultant for Tully Blanchard Industries. And then they started to do, they before they were tight as the Four Horsemen, he was still with Tully. But then he was kind of dabbling with these other guys and, talking highly about Arn and Oli and Ric Flair. And then as they went as a unit, it was just a natural fit. And the five of them together and him being the manager of the Force Horsemen. He, like we said in the last uh, episode, wrestling episode we did about factions, they didn't need him, but it was almost like he put the cherry on top. Correct. Um, another manager, which I did love, uh, Mr. Fuji. Now, now, check this out. Now, we know Mr. Fuji was a wrestler. Yes. But also... He was very entertaining in front of the TV camera. You know, he he knew how to work the camera. knew knew. I mean, of course, he didn't really talk a lot, uh, other than saying you know stuff in Japanese, if I'm correct. You know, he uh, he did um, manage demolition. Yep. And also Yokozuna. Yep. There's some of those man, but Mr. Fuji it wasn't the best, wasn't the worst, but I mean, he, he still, you know, found his ground in wrestling history mr fuji was dastardly he was always getting involved and you it was like every match you knew he was gonna do something to get his team to win he was a master at distraction 
distracting Correct. the referee. He was the master at passing something to his tag team. He was, you know, he had that cane. Dude, I always have a cane. They always got that's the, think about it. Go ahead through your mind, nation, and think about the, the, the managers, dude. The megaphone, the cell phone, yeah, the tennis racket, the cane, whatever they had, the urn. It was something that they could pass to their wrestler to gain an advantage. Correct. And it, the good man, the, the the best managers could do that distract, you know, whether or not it needed to be done in a tag team situation or a single situation. Dude, they could even pass stuff to the wrestler while the ref is staring at them. Some of them were that good. And Mr. Fuji, he wasn't the greatest talker. He wasn't the biggest guy. Correct. He wasn't flashy. Yeah. He was always wearing a tux. You know, when he was Yokozuna, he was wearing a more traditional Japanese uh, robe and stuff yes. like that. But he was a master manipulator. He was a ma- he was a master at conniving. He was a dast like I said, he was dastardly. He was always trying to get the advantage for his guy in the ring. And his number one thing was get my guy to get the W. Correct. At all times. And that was it. And that's what makes him great. That's what makes Mr. Fuji great. Yeah. You know who I loved also um was Paul Bear um managing. I mean, of course the Undertaker. Uh I think he, he managed even uh ravishing Rick Rude. And of course he was also manager of you know, Kane, but he was, he was, you know, he had a style. Like you said, the urn did the matches, didn't really talk a lot. I mean, it looked like more he was fooling around, you know, doing stuff, but he was good too, man. I go, I, I really enjoyed that too. Um, another wrestler manager, which I did, I do love because now we're going to start talking about some managers and valets. Uh, one of my first one I'm going to bring up is the sensational Sherry. You know, she was a manager and also a valet. It depends on which wrestler she was, you know, managing or wrestling at the time. Or um, I know she re- um, managed Rick Martel, uh, definitely Macho Man, and then she was she managed Shawn Michaels. You know, at that point, but she was one of the vicious and knew every dirty trick in the book. You know, as a manager valet. Yeah, dude. S- Sensational Sherry, in my mind, best female manager. She was she was legit manager. She wasn't uh, eye candy just to walk you down to the ring like some <laughs> of the ladies were. She talked. Yeah. She will get physically involved. Correct. Remember her screeching right. scream? She she would do what she was one of those managers that would do anything to get her wrestler to get the win. That's right. And that. Without a doubt, without a doubt, I don't even think it's close to anybody else who anybody wants to say. It. She's the best female manager of all time. She was a wrestler. Was she the greatest wrestler? No, she wasn't. Uh, but she was good. Um, but when it came to managing these guys, um, obviously, you know, with Shawn, Ma- Shawn Michaels, um, really making him the heartbreak kid, really, right. really helping him kind of find that uh, persona of himself. She was very instrumental. Yeah. In that. She really brought that out of him. Uh, that, that like, not, it's like, this is sleazy. Now dial it back a little bit. <laughs> that was kind of what she brought out of him. And it, and it was great. I mean, she, she also, I remember when she was manager for Harlem heat, Oh, oh that was God great. Me. You know, people don't talk about that, man. That was, yeah. I mean, one, she's a manager, a female manager, white managing um two uh black wrestlers harlem heat and dude that's just something you never have do see or do see now 
You don't yeah. see that. It's unprecedented. She is, um, so she was knocking down walls. She was, you know, really paving the road for anybody else that wanted to come after her and doing all these great things and, and, and making statements and, and just doing a great job. I mean, she, you could, if you wanted a manager, if you wanted any manager, it would be hard pressed for you to even find someone better than Sherry. Um, best female manager of all time. Uh, but she's definitely, if you're going to, if we have to rank them, I, she's going to, I don't want to use the word slip as in a bad word way, but she's probably going to slip into my top five. <laughs> she did great things, man. She did great things. Yeah. I'm going to uh, bring up, since we're going to, we're talking about managers and valets. Chris, what's your favorite valet? Uh, should I go the obvious choice? Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, right? That's what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, Elizabeth. Um, now, now. As a valet, different from a manager, she didn't get involved in matches. If she did once, twice. I really... Um, I want to say n- n- close to never. I, Especially I with a macho I remember man. one time. The only time I can re- ever remember her not even really physically get involved was, I believe, don't quote me on the year, but I believe it was SummerSlam 1989. When, was that when Hogan and Macho Man were tag teaming? Yeah. Against the- Andre and... DBLC, am I correct with the their uh, opponents? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was. And remember, she took her skirt off and was yeah, just wearing her underwear. Her little... And everybody, the look on Ted DBLC's face was like, who? <laughs> it's like, come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Macho yeah, got crazy yeah, and Hogan's yeah, all, they, yeah. They got the win. <laughs> and they got the win. And, and then, I don't know, if was that the same end of the match where Hogan had her up on the shoulder? Yes. So it was kind of like a, like, like a, a climax of the whole st- it, looking back at it now it was the in the same moment almost the climax of the storyline and then the start of the feud between the Hogan decline. and Macho yeah. Man at the same, like at the same within minutes uh but man she was a great valet i also remember one of them um obviously she she always was classy she came to the ring in her nice night her gowns her her sequented gowns and just looking classy and always her hair done nice and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, but the thing that really, uh, came out in her, especially, you know, with, with managing macho man was she always was concerned. Correct. She always had that concern. Yes. And that just added another layer. Like if he was getting oh beat God, up, macho and stuff. man's getting beat up and Elizabeth is, Oh, she's concerned. Oh my God. It's like, it's like, it's like yeah. twofold on the whole. Well, that storyline uh, was good, dude. They know the, how to, they knew how to work it, man. Yeah, they they knew how to work it, and man, that as far as valets are concerned, you know, it really doesn't get any better than that. And I remember um, there was the whole storyline, you know, when she left, and uh, uh, going back to someone we just talked about, Sensational Cherry, when she was uh, Sensational Sherry, when she was managing. I don't know if he was the king at that point, but King Macho, he might have been the Macho. I think he was still the Macho Man. And I, I did think Sherry did manage him at the time. And, and uh, she was managing him, and I remember he had lost a match. Something happened, and she started, remember, she started getting crazy on Macho Man, and they had shown earlier Elizabeth was in the crowd. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. It was at one of the papers, and then she jumped the, the, the guardrail and came in there, beat up Sherry, and then Macho Man and her looked at each other from that side of the ring, and 
Vachamon's like, ooh, yeah. And like looking at her, like, I'm going to give you a hug. And she's like, I don't know. And they're kind of looking at each other. There's this whole emotional thing. And then like they run and they hug. And remember the classic shot is that lady in the crowd crying. They probably still show yeah, it today, they dude. Show it. <laughs> still show it today. And man, that was great, dude. That's. Dude, are you sure you weren't crying, man? You described that pretty well, dude. Because it's... I was. Because it's... I was a, crying. I wasn't. Because that's a moment that is... You, you remember because it's like... Yeah. I'm going to say it now and I'm going to say it. They don't do stuff like they used to, man. They don't what? do it like Because think about this. Think Maybe about you this. don't watch it Cause, enough. Because think about this. That's a long storyline. <laughs> that was a long storyline. storyline. And I love it. I love it. But, you know, as far as valet goes, Elizabeth, um, if you kind of want to go back... Uh, or exa- uh, excuse me, back from now, but fast forward from there. As far as valets that were of kind of the newer era, one of the first ones was Sunny. Yes. Sunny. Now, how did you feel about Sunny? Um, I personally, she was a trendsetter. She was one of the first like diva style uh, valets. Um, she talked. Um, I thought she sometimes sounded kind of ditzy. I yeah, think she definitely. She did not sound like. You know, she didn't convince me that anybody was even better or and she didn't conv- she didn't she didn't add anything to it. Um and it was kind of one of those things where let's throw her out there. She's blonde. Apparently yeah. sewn th- like you know, we talked about this earlier and I'll just come out and say it. I did not think that she was all that. I did not think that she was not one of those uh, women that they would put on the TV that I would sit here and go, "Oh my god, she's hot." Or I never those never crossed my mind whenever I saw her. I was just kind of like this looks like plain Jane and I, it's not adding anything to my enjoyment of what I'm watching. And she did not add anything to the team. She was managing or the individuals. What I remember, um, from Sonny being a kid, I liked her. I thought she was pretty and sexy and, and, and you're right. But what she did is she just really went to any tag team that won the belt. Yeah. You know, I mean, her list of who she, um, managed was the body Donna's. The Godwins, smoking guns. Come on, I go. Did you know in 1996 she won Manager of the Year on Pro Wrestling Illustrated I magazine? I did not know that. Yeah, she even. Um, that was a COVID year, right? <laughs> <laughs> she even uh, managed Farouk, and she was also um, um, valet for the Legion of Doom. Yeah, I remember her LOD. Didn't she? I believe I'm right when I say that the Smoking Guns were the world champions. They lost the title, and then she fired them right after the match. Yes. Am I correct? Yes, that storyline that And that just that shows her. I mean, if that's the kind of storyline you want to keep going with her, like she only wants to go with winners. Yeah. I mean, I guess that that's the way you do it, man. She she never really impressed me. She never really rang my bell, I guess is the best way to say it. And I, I was never really impressed yeah. with her. I, th- I don't know if, if any other wrestlers, but I know one of the uh, Chris Candido, she was, um, uh, that was her boyfriend at the yeah. time. So maybe when she first began or... You know, I think he was with Tom Pritchard, and they were a tag team at the time. Mm-hmm. So probably when they lost the belts, she dumped him and found somebody else. Yeah, but I did like Sunny, dude. I mean, your yours is I didn't like her. I didn't think she was pretty. I didn't think she was sexy. My point of view was, you know, she wasn't the sexiest one in the world. But if I had a poster of her on my room, I'd probably enjoy it. Well, let's talk about let's flip it we're, since we're talking about valets and female managers and the like. Let's talk about a couple right here, and I think we can almost put them together because they had such a legacy together from the Attitude Era. We'll talk about two. Trish Stratus, Ooh. who came into WWE originally as a valet slash manager. She was a little more than a valet. And Lita. Correct. So obviously they, they had a feud together wrestling, but of course um, 
uh, uh, Lita came in with man, I can't remember the name of the wrestler. I'm sorry, maybe you have it written down. I don't. Um, Lita came in with Matt and Jeff. No, she came in with a, with a singles guy before that. Yeah, she did. Um, and Trish, uh, she came in with a tag team. Do you remember which tag team that was? Yeah, she, she came, came in with a TNA, which was Test and Prince Albert. That's right. That's right. That's, that's what right. she came in with. And then she was also later to uh, manage Val Venus. She managed him for a little that bit. That is correct. And then uh, she, I mean, she came on to be one of the greatest uh, uh, divas. I could do. Was that the divas era? Yeah, that was a divas. A divas uh, wrestler of all time, for sure. Now, now that you stole my thunder with with Lita, Lita was also one of those manager valet wrestlers that you know did team extreme where she was wrestling with the guys and you know then also she was also manager of the hardy boys then at the end she was a valet manager of edge remember when edge uh, won the title for the first time or you know they had the live sex act yeah. on yeah. monday night raw which probably had the highest ratings so so in a long time i i i Ran and got my phone. Um, she originally came out with Esa Rios. Esa Rios. He, I believe he may have had a mask on or something like that. I'm not sure, but. Oh, okay. She was first with him, and then she obviously went with the Hardy Boys. And yeah. Team Extreme. Would you consider that a faction? She was a wrestler. Is that a faction right there? I'm, uh, yes. Because we talked, she would, we because talked she extensively would, about She would wrestle person. girls, you know, the, or the divas, She would whatever. do that moonsault off the top rope. Correct. There was no one else doing that. And then she was, you know, hanging out with the guys doing flips or, you know, if they are in trouble or trying to do now, something, now, a flip from the top rope or something. Now, when she started wrestling more, would you still consider, I mean, she, what did she, I mean, okay, so we've been talking about these managers and stuff, you know, they were talking or valets, they walk them down, whatever. Lita as a what you would call a manager was she what was she, she was more of i don't know what is it like i almost i almost want to kind of say she really wasn't a manager the yeah, hardy but, boys manager she was almost like it was a faction of three correct. people it was yeah, almost no, like, I, she almost played the china role that, that she played in dx where she was just she was there and to help out if it needed to be helped out but correct. she wasn't there like advising correct so maybe not she had the title of manager. Maybe it wasn't more of a valet slash wrestler, that type stuff. Yeah, but she definitely brought. Um, I think that they were better off with her there than they would have been without her there. Oh, yeah, Speaking of the Hardy Boys, man. that uh, uh, team extreme definitely uh, benefited from the presence of Lita, and you know, with her and, and Trish, you know, kind of coming in at the same time ish, uh, <laughs> you know, and then their feud really, you know, just what was amazing and, and one of the one of the greater feuds uh of that of that time uh the attitude era you know bar none they were always going at it and usually one of them always had the title and you know they're both hall of famers and i, I can't say enough good things about oh yeah they, they were great you know you know what's funny you you look back at, at stuff you think in your head and uh you know when trish first came to wd it was like she was a fitness model she was all in her fitness. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd never heard of her at the time. I was like, oh, great. Here comes another person trying to get into WWE. And I was, I was like, whatever. She, I, I'll tell you, she proved me wrong. She Correct. surprised me. And uh, one of one of the best uh, female wrestlers. That, like, Actually, she was one of those few female wrestlers that actually looked like she was wrestling. A lot of times you get the female wrestlers in there and it just it doesn't look good. It doesn't look right. But she was one of the, her and Lita were both look great in the ring they they were good 
Both of them. Love it. You know, another uh, manager, valet, that was good, but kind of and, – and I'm going to talk about Marlene. Marlena, sorry, who was the manager of Goldust, right? When they were together, and you know, and she dressed Hollywood classy. You know, she just, you know, they both came in all gold. They both had their, you know, platinum platinum blonde hair. You know, they looked good. Of course, they were married at the time, but you know, that was a good combination of from Goldust to Marlena. You know what I mean? They had the style. They had a look. You know, she got involved there. She had the big cigar, so she got involved at the time, once in a while, and stuff like that. But towards the end of her managing career or her career with the WWE, you know, she was forced to manage, you know, Edge and the Hardys. Did you know this? She was yeah, she yeah. Edge. I mean, the Hardy Boys. She was forced to manage Edge and Christian. Um, her last manager that uh, that she was um, doing was Perry Saturn before he. Uh, before you know, she took off or someone entered her yeah. contract or something. I, I she was, um, yeah, she fit right into that character uh, with Goldust. Uh, his whole <sighs> Goldust, like she fit right, right in, dude. It was great, and <clears throat> and sometimes you don't remember stuff until hindsight. So you see her, and you're like, you snap, and you're like, wait, she looks familiar. Who is she? And you start recollecting, you go, exactly. Alexandra York from the York Foundation from WCW, you know, manager Terry Taylor. Oh, okay. Uh, Ricky Morton, you know, Tommy Rich, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so she remember she would wear the th- kind of, you know, you, it's it's everything, you know, gets redone, recycled. Remember, she was the businesswoman. She had her hair up with the glasses. You saw the same thing happen when Stacey Keebler finally broke in. You know, it was basically a carbon copy kind of thing, you know, as far as what the, 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 the outfit was. But, yeah, she was, you know, was the York Foundation, ma- you know, manager, financial person, because that's what their whole gimmick was, was finances. And, you know, and then she went on, you know, with I'm sure that her and uh, Dustin Rhodes, you know, met there and you know, reemerged again is gold dust, you know, took off from there. I love gold dust, dude. Right. I did too. There from, was from day one, from day one. I was like, I don't know what this is, but, but this... I remember, you know, you look back at how characters, uh, their yes. gimmick evolves from me, from the first day. You got, and it's like, all right, I'm going to go, you go back and you look and you're like, wow, the outfit's terrible. The makeup is terrible. <laughs> the wig is terrible, but it's all in, it all is an evolution from the first day. And it was like, man, Dude, gold dust from day one was. Think about that day and time. Think about that day and time. We're talking probably he debuted around 96, 95, 96, mm-hmm. or or around in there. That for for him, Southern boy, American Dream son, in a business that's dominated by men, a audience that's dominated by men to come out as this pseudo sexual what are you, what do you like kind of a person that took, that took balls and he took a hold of that and ran with it. And I thought from day one, it was great. I loved it. I still love it. Goldust is, is, is is great. And very brave of him. I can't think of, um, more matches that I loved him, but my favorite was with him versus Piper, the back alley, the back alley. That was one of the ones that I and I know there was a few other matches or feuds that he had, but that was one of them that I really liked was that him and Piper on the back alley. I think that was done in here in Anaheim at the time. Mm-hmm. 
uh, continuing with valets, uh, a couple more maybe we, we could talk about quick. Um, some of them had some short-lived time frame. They kind of went from valet to wrestling or on other things. Sable was probably really that female valet that really fit the mold of diva. She was, you know, Sunny was the first one, but I think Sable really was the one that fit the mold of what the vision of a diva for WWE was. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, she was, she didn't come out, who did she, uh, she didn't come out with Mark Merrill first. I can't remember who she was first out with. You, you know, know what? She she first came out with Triple H at, That's Re- right. at WrestleMania 12, but she wasn't like, a, like one valet. She came out with like, I, th- I think six or seven, eight other girls. Okay. As you know, and she was one of those girls at the time uh, at WrestleMania 12. And uh, then, and then obviously, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I mean, I, I think also she um, was um, valet uh, for um, Ultimate Warrior, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, at the end of it, um, she managed her husband, which is Mark Merrill, you know, and of course, now she's married to Brock Lesnar. Yeah. But she doesn't wrestle anymore or come out or do anything. Yeah, man, she was, she was, um, you know, she was, she, she was, as a manager, she didn't really add anything to no. the managerial aspect. No. Um, they were more, that was more of what they were looking for in WWE. Um, you know, but, and as a wrestler, she was okay for someone that really wasn't a wrestler. Um, you know, she, her sable bomb that she delivered, she always was on point with that. <laughs> you know, she had, she had a couple good moves, but. She definitely stole the spotlight from Mark Merrow for sure. And, and oh, definitely, that right. was it all. And I like, I like to, th- I, I, I think that you know that was real life jealousy too. You know, it wasn't just an in ring thing. That that was kind of what it was like. You know, yeah, kind of c- c- tore that relationship down, right? I guess. You know, bring going back to I want to bring back uh, Stacy Keebler. So she was also one of those girls that came out, started off as the Nitro Girl. You know, on w- oh, yeah, 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 WCW, yeah. and it started off getting that angle that way, and then they had her as a manager slash girlfriend of David Flair, as as one of the oh, first yeah, things right. that that's came right. out they had as that group that group of people that was weirdos, yeah, correct. And then also she was also managing the Dudley Boys, and then I think she ended her managing career as uh, Scott Steiner's mm-hmm. valet. Oh yeah, Scott Steiner, dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on? Uh, We'll bring up bring up a little blast from the past, Captain Lou, Captain Lou Albano. Now he was a little bit before my time. Yeah. I didn't get to really see him on TV, so I kind of got to go back and walk, see what review you know on, on on Peacock and see what he's done. But man, he was uh, definitely an original. He was a talker. He had to be because he was by his own words, not a very good looking man. He always had the long, you know, beard, yeah. b- goatee and a, and a rubber band that stapled rubber band to his face and shaggy hair and shirt open and all that. But man, he was, he could talk. He was, he was a great manager. I mean, when you go back and watch those matches, he was involved. He was talking. He, if he needed to, to, to have your back and do something, he would. I mean, Captain Lou was great. Captain I- Lou was great. I think that he was also one of those pioneers from the rock and wrestling connection. Oh yeah, you from know WrestleMania that, one. Yeah, that was I the, think they yeah. brought Cindy Lauper in or mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, so you're right. There was a brief stint where she would come in, or it would people knew him from the, um, you know, the video girls just want to have fun. So oh, they oh Captain Lou, oh he's a wrestler too. 
maybe they, you know, flip flopped on from watching MTV to, mm-hmm. you know, Channel Thirteen. Well, um, yeah, the, Captain Lou definitely was was head of that rock and roll connection. You know, it was great right then, dude. He was right right place, right time. But did he wrestled before. Was he a wrestler before? I don't. I don't know, oh, man. I'm, I'm not sure on that one. I'm not sure. Either. So let's let's flip it to someone else that really, if I do remember correctly, um, Rambo make a cameo in the background right now. Um, <laughs> Paul Ellering. Yeah, for, Paul Ellering. Okay. Uh, the Road Warriors. Yeah. Um, I I think that might be the only tag team he managed. I'm I'm not. He also really... did a, NXT and Acolytes of Pain. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Oh, that's right. He did. He, he did. did. And, and they, I did they were, not dig that. No, they were trying to make them like a, a newer version like a, of a. It was almost like a Road Warriors 2.0, 2.0 <laughs> kind of thing. Paul Ellering was one of those guys that was actually powerlifting champion when he was younger. Okay. Um, you know, segued himself into being a manager for the Road Warriors. Go Rambo, go! <laughs> um, and he was actually would get in the ring because I remember him participating. It may have been the first War Games, but it was at least the first couple where he was actually in the match. And uh, uh, you know, he was a, not a small guy. No. And he, you know, the Road Warriors were good talkers, especially Hawk. And Hawk would say some jibby jabby jib jabberish <laughs> that you were like, "What the fuck did he just say?" <laughs> I'll tell you what. Ah. And, I'm like, and then Paul Ettering was coming with like a two set, two sentence phrase. And that's you're, right. You're like, that's right. And it'll be the end for you. And you're like, <laughs> sick, dude. <laughs> oh man. That was good. That was good. That was, yeah, I, I, I really like Paul Ettering. He wasn't, um, the greatest talker, but he was, um, almost like I'm one of the guys. I'm yeah, one of the guys, definitely. and I'm not gonna. I'm not a Jimmy Hart. I'm not a Bobby Behean, and I'm not a Jim Cornette. You're not gonna be able to just run through me, uh, you know, to get to the ring. I'm here, and, and and I'm a little bit of muscle for you guys to have to get through. And I'm gonna be here for my tag team. And, yeah, you know, I thought that was great to have that. You know, one. Um, I want to say manager because I don't think she was a valet. Was Vicky Guerrero? Now, after um, Eddie passed away, you know, they came up with a storyline for her to um, betray Rey Mysterio Jr. and um, team up with Edge. Oh, yeah, I remember, I remember that. Did they get married or something yeah, like that? Yeah, well, that's or, part of the storyline. Yeah, part of the storyline, yeah, story story blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then she also had a, a, a small faction herself as the La Familia, which was Edge, Chavo Guerrero, Edge Heads, which was Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins um, and as the a little faction of uh, La Familia. I remember that briefly. She, she, yeah, it was brief. She also managed um, Lay Cool, which is uh, Layla and Michelle McCool as a tag mm-hmm. team from the ladies, probably on the diva area. And then her last manager thing was Dolph Ziggler, which yeah. still was fun, which is a good one too at the time. So they did some stuff with her. They worked with her, helped her out, gave her, you know, a job to help her family out, man. Because yeah. you know, after Eddie died, man, that that was yeah, dude. She that, yeah, was, that was tragic, tragic. And they never, she was never on the uh, TV before Eddie. You know, I mean, as soon as he passed away, oh, this is Vicky, or maybe you saw pictures of her. But she was one of those heel managers that made me hate her because of her scream. Remember, she was in the wheelchair for yeah. all the time and stuff. <laughs> trying to, I think yeah. I hated her most was with Edge. Oh yeah, I hated her most of that. Jen, she you know made me hate her. They on were that sleazy, one. They were, dude. 
And then, and then you know, with Dolph, Dolph was good, but it's still same thing. It just made me with Edge really pissed yeah, me off. Yeah. You know, um, that kind of stuff. So there, you know, we we really have talked about a lot of the managers, and I know you're gonna. There's a bunch you still want to talk about. Um, one I just want to kind of throw out there. Well, two. One you just kind of mentioned quick that I just want to mention some about was um, Paul Bear. Paul Bear. Um, Great gimmick. Percy Pringle, he was a wrestler, kind of flipped it into being a manager. He came out with The Undertaker, and then he was with Kane. Um, I thought that he was great um, uh, with Mankind. He did a little bit of work right? with Mankind. Okay, yeah. And uh, it was always nice to see. So he was the manager with Undertaker, but to see him go to the other side, because like, oh, my God, dude. He knows all of Undertaker's deepest, darkest secrets and his weaknesses and how to beat him. And so there was that element of, uh-oh, what, uh, now the Undertaker's really got the odds stacked against him kind of a thing. And I thought that was always great because uh, Paul Bearer uh, always did. Oh, ready with a whole lot of Undertaker. Right, he he's was, gonna come and get you. Yeah, and, and, and he's you. You knew. I remember the moment where that kind of really hit me was when he came out with Kane. Your, you know, your brother's here. This is Kane. Time's up. Shit's about to hit the fan, and it was like, dude. And Kane came out, and you. Everybody thought the Undertaker was the big guy, right? And then you saw them next to each other. And you were like, oh my god, dude, this guy's a monster. And you thought it was all over for the Undertaker. Obviously, you know. The, go back through history you can kind of see how that went um but man he was he was a, a he was a great manager always had the gimmick never changed um managed few you know a few guys but he was great the other person i want to talk about just quick is slick yes i like slick slick the math of style yeah he was the pimping the big pimping manager of the 80s always had the right. cane always had the cane he's always strutting you know, styling and profiling, you know, Ric Flair style. Um, he was he was great, man. Who does Manager of the Twin Towers. Yes, the Akeem twin. and Big Boss Man. Yeah. Remember Akeem was one man gang. <laughs> and then so Slick starts managing him and he goes from being one man gang yeah. to Akeem from you know, he starts wearing, you know, a traditional African outfit and he's like and he's all doing the like he's all acting <laughs> like he's so brother, like, yeah, man. You're like, dude, what? You just had a mohawk with a leather right. or a jean jacket yeah. on like two weeks ago. Now you're keep going, that's right, brother. <laughs> you dig it. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? It's like also managed the uh, the warlord. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did and, he manage the barbarian as well? And Rick Martel, I, I, just the hell of it saying yes. Probably, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, one of those guys too. Yeah, Slick was good, dude. He um, wasn't the, the, the biggest, most popular guy, but Slick was there. He had a cane too. Yeah. He had a cane. Gonna get involved, dude. Cane and a little pinky ring. Yeah, dude. He was great, dude. Um, you know, one of my favorite um, managers from ECW was Bill Alfonso, which managed Sabu and RVD. I mean, he just had this squeaky voice, and he blew his whistle all the time, which annoyed the F out of everybody. But Bill Alfonso was one of those guys that RVD came out, and he, you know, threw the chair in and did this, that, and... He was good. He was fun, dude. I, I mean, annoying as hell. Well, Bill Alfonso, he was a referee first. Yes. And he became the yes, manager. Was and it was almost like instead of talking, he blew the whistle. Correct. So he was, he was, his communication was through whistling. So like he threw one chair and he'd whistle, you know, like <laughs> whatever he thought in whistle was throw another one in. 
<laughs> whatever he thought was a whistle, throw another one in. Yeah, and, high pitch, low pitch, you medium know, pitch. To, to go from that kind of person that was a ref to manager, another person that it was Teddy Long. Oh, that's Teddy right. Long that's right. was a referee. And whenever I see him, like these old eighties, you know, him being the referee, I'm like, yeah. oh, that's Teddy Long, man. He became a manager later. And it's kind of, you know, cool to see people kind of grow out of one position into another. Teddy Long, I don't think he was the greatest manager of all time. He could talk. He could talk, but I don't think he was a good manager. Uh, he didn't really do it for me as a manager, as a, a, com, a commissioner for the brands. He did he did all right. I think that's kind of where he really hit his stride better. But as a manager, eh. but he took that same step kind of like uh, Alfonso did. Correct. From ECW, um, Francine, which was the queen of extreme. That's right. Um, she managed Stevie Richards, uh, Valley of the Pitbulls, Shane Douglas, and then, of course, managed Tommy Dreamer, but she also ended up marrying Tommy Dreamer. But she was another one of those valet pretty girls that wore short skirts and, you know. Yeah, got- they had that extreme style. What do you think about her comparing her and Beulah? What do you, what do you think? Do you, Oh, shoot. What do you think? that? I mean, obviously, basically, same time, same federation, uh, different but the same kind of. Yeah, I'm, I thought Beulah was prettier, you know. Um, if you want to go back a little more, you know, we were talking about, you know, we always talk about managers. Hey, they were a wrestler. Then they became a manager. Hey, this guy was a referee. He became a manager. Let's flip the script and double dip. Greg, don't trip. Let's go around the side. DDP. DDP. DDP was a manager in AWA. And then... Manage, 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 and then he shows up. WCW says, "Hey, you know, I want, I want to try this wrestling thing because he was a big, big dude." Yeah, and you know, got got his schooling in and came back. You know, he ended up being world champ. I mean, he's one of those guys that's kind of like um, David Bautista in the fact that man, I wish they would have started wrestling like ten years earlier. You know, they really didn't. They started when they should have been in their prime. And uh, so when he was in AWA, God, what was that tag team? The Diamond, uh, the Diamond. God, I can't remember. It was um, I can't remember the name the the two guys that were in it. But he had a tag team that he managed that were the champs there. And then he also the Diamond Dudes. I don't remember. I'll look it up while you're talking next. But he also um, uh, uh, was manager of the Diamond Stud. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Diamond Stud. Um, and that was the big two that I remember him kind of uh, doing in AWA. And then you know he kind of went on to NWA slash. WCW kind of thing. It grew from there. Exactly. Then he became who he was. And we talked a little bit about him in the last, uh, in our factions episode going against NWO, but man, DDP really took the reverse route, you know, managing and then wrestling. Yeah. You know, um, just jumping into AEW, um, bringing up some new stuff, you know, um, Iron Anderson is now a manager, you know, manager of Cody and the nightmare family, uh, Tully Blanchard, is a manager of Sean Spears and FTW, FTR, right? Um, Taz is a manager himself. You know, Taz is a great wrestler and manager of Brian Cage. And then check this out. Jake Roberts, Jake the Snake Roberts yeah. is a manager of Lance Archer. You know, these are these guys from AEW bringing him. Of course, these guys aren't wrestling, but just their name, just their style, just their presence are bringing these younger guys up and showing them a way, a style, or just, you know, something. So here, I told you I'd Google it, so I Googled it up. Uh, the tag team that DDP wrestled was called Bad Company. It was Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka. 
I remember they were big oh. on AW when it was on ESPN. Remember they had that from the showboat or something like that mm-hmm. in Vegas. Um, he also uh, uh, managed uh, Colonel De Beers, Kurt Hennig, and Medusa, and uh, they were called the Diamond Exchange. That was the number out the, the 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 team kind of thing I was trying to remember. But man, that I remember seeing him there, man, and it was a, and then you know he worked his way up, you know, got his training, and became yeah. a wrestler, kind of that reverse route. So that was good to see. You know, the last wrestler I'm going to bring up, China. I know we talked about last her in manager. the last, last manager, manager. last manager, or wrestler, wrestler. Whatever. I mean, valet. I mean, any, how we kind of doing our style today of just, you know, she DX, you know, both versions of DX, you know, herself as a wrestler. I mean, same thing, re- manager, and then came a wrestler. But China was also one of those, you know, that I'll bring up as a manager, yeah, didn't valet, t- wrestler didn't talk today. much. Um, yeah, didn't got talk involved if got she involved. if she had to. Um, they would always, you know, say something. They they say some, you know, chauvinist or snide comment, and they say, "Just ask China." And she just like smirked, like, "Yeah," <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like they, she was, she was playing the character that she was playing the character that they needed in that group because it was comedy, comedy. Um, then of course you had Rick Rude, who was perceived as the muscle. And then you had to, you know. You're always in a comedy team. You have the, the funny guy and the straight guy, you know, the, the one that laughs and makes all the jokes and the other guy that doesn't. China was like the straight guy in DX. Right. Didn't make the jokes, didn't make anybody laugh, but all the jokes could, could play off of her and she could, you know, it just really kind of rounded up that whole group really well. DX probably would not have been. It may have been, but I think China really added. Yeah, added, added was, an element to these guys, man. And you never saw anybody like her in WWE. Yeah. She was... She was badass, dude. Yeah, I mean, she definitely. was an intercontinental champ. She was beating guys, legit. Le- I she mean, was legit. You know, as legit is, but <laughs> she was she was holding her own in the ring against grown ass men. You mean wrestling's not fake? It's not. It's not fake. It's predetermined. It's real. <laughs> it's real. It's real. Yeah, it's real. What are we it's talking real. about? It's real. it's real. Wrestling is real. It's real. Um, anybody else you got on your list you want to talk about, man? I'm, my list, I'm done. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good too, man. So why don't we uh, say goodbye to everybody? Right. Thank you for yeah. listening. Thanks for listening. You can get a hold of us, uh, like the 12 year old said. Instagram, Big Talk CG. On the Twitter machine, Big Talk CG. Email, Big Talk CG at gmail.com. All right. And we're going Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Player FM. Tune in radio, listen notes. I think I hit them all. Where's Apple Music and where's Pandora? Pending. Pending. They're pending. Are you sure? You've been telling me that for the last four weeks. What's going on, Chris? They're pending. They're pending. All right. They're pending. All right. People want to hear us (laughs) on Apple. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of Big Talk with Chris and Greg. Until next time. See ya.